In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another fine edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the geek, but to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me all the way across the pond is the rock parapsychologist himself, Mr. Cal Cooper. Hello, Ron. How's it going? So, well, you know, we we uh, we had a huge northeaster here, and we uh, lost power. Three million people lost power, actually. Oh wow! I didn't know about that. Oh uh, yeah, it was pretty nasty. Uh, I was out for over two days. And, so that was uh, a, just over got Halloween. It, well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just got it uh, back. Well, four thirty last night. Well, I guess today this morning. <laughs> So just oh, barely made the show, basically. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness you're on. I mean, that must have made Halloween a bit more spooky that they had no power. All right. We did. A, we still. Uh, we had an event on uh, Saturday night at the Haunted Victorian in Gardner, but we had to postpone till next Saturday because of the storm. And uh, they were actually in, in the, like almost the eye of the storm. They were going to get nailed really bad. And oh. uh, so that's next. For, Next Saturday, excuse me, um, the 4th or 5th, I forget which it is, but anyways, that's next Saturday. In fact, we still have a couple tickets left because uh, we managed to open up a couple after the postponement, so that was kind of cool. But uh, last night was really good because we went to the Haunted Wyndham restaurant and we did a Dining with the Dead uh, and I did it with Maureen, who is my uh, a trans medium, and it yeah. went it went well. That was sold out. And I'm gonna have to post my pictures. We took lots of costume pictures. So it was oh, cool. what did you dress as? Oh, I didn't. You're lucky. I had oh, clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> no costume then. Well, you, you know what happened is, as I mentioned, we didn't have any power at all. So uh, I was lucky enough to I remember that my father-in-law lived in a, a senior citizen place. So I actually went out over there and took a shower before he came over. <laughs> That's how bad it was. But anyways, we survived, and all is well with the world. So uh, would you do for Halloween? Anything exciting or... Um, not not a great deal. Funnily enough, we we totally forgot about the pumpkin. So I've just been carving a pumpkin this evening just to kind of amuse myself, really. And I just sat down on the conservatory floor and just got the knife out and the pumpkin. And I've just been carving stupid faces into one. I know that Halloween's gone now, but um, 
I'm not sticking to the rules, so that <laughs> I just carve what I want. So I've, I've made a creepy one, creepy one with teeth, and I'm going to make one that's quite comical in a bit. But uh, last night, all I did was just take the kids out onto the street and send them trick or treating, and then we let off some fireworks last night as well. So um, not much ghost hunting stuff, mainly trick or treating and your typical Halloween stuff. Is is fireworks a, a typical in the in the UK for Halloween? Uh, no, it's just because it's coming up to bonfire night, which is the 5th of November for the um, old uh, gunpowder plot. Um, right, loads of, right. Uh, loads of fireworks are now on sale in local uh, local supermarkets. So at the end of October, they start selling them. So some people get them for Halloween night and also save them up for the 5th of November. So um, we got some last night and we're going to get some more for the 5th as well. So the kids wanted some fireworks, so we got some as well. That's V for Vendetta. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, so is is that a pretty big, like, I mean, it's not like an official holiday, is it? What, bonfire night or Halloween? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, bonfire night. Oh, um, no, bonfire night's not a um, holiday. We don't even really have Halloween as a holiday. Sometimes it clashes with half term where kids get a week off school and so they get time off but it doesn't always and kids still have to go to school everyone still has to go to work but everyone takes the night off to celebrate bonfire night most of the time gather around have a bit of a bit of a bonfire in the back of the garden and eat things like chili con carne or um mushy peas up north we ha it's all different up and down the uk because up north um more so in nottingham where i'm from we usually have um, just a, a mug or a cup that you'd have coffee in and we just fill it full of mushy peas and mint sauce and eat that around a bonfire uh, other what places the hell that you go is, to might... is mushy peas and mint sauce well it's just peas that are cooked up and then you sort of mush them up a bit and it's like halfway between being peas or pea soup and then you just stick oh. them in a mug stick them in a mug have a spoon put some mint sauce in it stir it up mint sauce that you'd have with lamb and um, just eat it as it is. It's quite and nice. That, I, I love and it. And that's good? <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. It's like having curry in a mug. Uh, oh, well, okay. I hate curry, so there you go. <laughs> People down south just look at me funny when I talk about having something in a mug like mushy peas. But it's just weird. Every kind of county that you move out of in the UK, they all have their own kind of little things that are normal to them. And um, you go to another county and they just think you're absolutely bizarre for having that or saying different terms. Because, you know, when you'd have a bread roll to put, say, a, a hot dog in, um, in some areas of the UK, it is called a bread roll. From where I'm from, it's called a cob, which is just C-O-B. And um, no one else around the UK kind of gets the term cob. But it, it changes from county to county because in Liverpool, it's called a, a barn cake. In Sheffield, it's called uh, a bread cake, and then in Nottingham area, it's called a cob, and then you move out and it's called rolls. Some places, it's called a Vienna. It's really weird. Changes from county to county, and the accent changes from county to county as well, in only a few miles. And in America, you've got to travel miles and miles before an accent changes. <laughs> That's so weird. Mm. But anyway, yeah. if anybody uh, wants to share what they did for Halloween, uh, they certainly can call in at 877-864-4869. That's 877-864-4869. Or join us live in either the uh, Tojinet or the Pararex chat room. Um, the interesting thing about Halloween, it's such a big holiday here, and this Northeastern really put a damper on it. They actually moved Halloween trick-or-treating uh, to next weekend in a lot of places. All right. 
That's interesting. I didn't know about that either, but um, I, I know you guys take it way more seriously than we do because there's probably like per street, there's only like four four or five houses that will seriously decorate their house. Everyone really? else kind of does the old tradition of pretending that they're not in when trick-or-treaters knock at the door. Everyone turns the lights out and hides upstairs or something like that if they don't want to join in. Really? So Yeah, yeah, that happens. Um because everyone just thinks it's too much of a fuss, I guess, to go out and buy sweets and all the decorations and stuff and do up the house. They they just rather stay in and watch TV and have everyone leave them alone. <laughs> it's it's the it's the British being grumpy, Ron. <laughs> yeah, you know they. I don't know. I thought you guys had much more sense of humor than you do at times. You, sometimes well, no, you're way way too serious. You know, some people that join in do take it, it's like with a good laugh. And there were some people that I saw last night, they'd all dressed up within their own house for trick-or-treaters. So every time they answer the door, they, they'd open the door and just growl at the kids and everyone would scream and laugh. And it was quite fun. And you could see that everyone was having a good laugh. But then the trick-or-treaters would go on to the next door and they knock at the door and no one would answer. So they'd have to go to the next one. It'd probably be another four or five houses till they get to one that's at least got something like a pumpkin outside and someone would answer. But no, it's not, it's not really our tradition, really. We've kind of slowly started to take to it, but I don't think everyone really wants the tradition of Halloween. Where's your understanding of how it kind of started? Or, I mean, did well, you know I, any I mean, interesting it, facts it was, about Halloween? It's, it's, you know, basically a, a pagan holiday. Uh, the, uh, of course, the Catholic Church uh, made it All Souls Day, and, and of course today is All Saints Day. So, yeah. I mean, we have that. But, uh, you know, it's just a great, great holiday to celebrate it's 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 like christmas it's grown and grown and uh coming into its own uh, the cool thing about uh halloween is that uh you know everybody can be kids uh you know you do have the kids they go out and they they uh, do the trick-or-treating there are so many people that do it as families and then you have uh, the kids who do it by themselves sometimes and then you have adults of course that that don't have kids and they have parties too they dress up they you know they they they're being silly so i mean it, it's a, it's a great little holiday it's it's just a fun holiday basically yeah oh, brilliant what's your best thing to dress up as then run for halloween or what is the best thing that you've ever dressed up as Dining with the Dead last night, one of the uh, uh, customers that came, a uh, great costume too. He was a, he's a uh, scientist, but he's also a um, reenactor, which is big around here. You know, they dress up like whatever, uh, revolutionary soldiers, civil war soldiers, whatever, and they, yeah. they reproduce some of the battles and stuff. But anyways, he was there and he dressed up like a, uh, uh, like the uh, scarecrow, like for instance, uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, uh, Scarecrow. Oh, but, but I had a, a great conversation with him because he uh, is he's an, a scientist and engineer, and he knew a hell of a lot about EMF, which I thought was really fascinating. Because uh, most people, especially in the United States, uh, don't understand it properly. Mm. Do you yeah. do you think that's true? Uh, I mean, you, you see so many people just walking around with the EMF detectors, thinking that's really it's a ghost detector, and it and it really, well, you know it isn't, and I, I certainly yeah. know it isn't. Yeah, I remember we've had this before with Steve Parsons kind of explaining it, and I've yeah. never 
actually been over to the US, but from what I've seen from kind of, uh, it's probably the worst thing that I can compare, but I, I suppose when you look at the reality TV shows that show um, a bunch of the American ghost hunters and the UK ghost hunters, to be honest, Ron, I think it's virtually the same to some extent. I mean, as you said before, the US is a lot bigger than the UK. So uh -huh. there's there's probably a large majority of people that could be getting these tools and pieces of equipment right in the US. And you might just bump into the odd person here and there that are still thinking it's a ghost detector. And to say how big the UK is, there's um, probably, you know, a, a decent handful of people that are getting these pieces of equipment right, using them right writing reports and then you tend to bump into a lot of the most haunted fanatics or other reality tv shows that haven't really read upon it gone through the training or anything and they're using these pieces of equipment because they just kind of go with the the ghost hunter image you know a case full of gadgets and they're not actually looking at why are we using these pieces of equipment and um from my background, I haven't had a lot of experience with the equipment, but I do know to some extent what it's for and what the results of EMF fields can have on people in terms of psychology. But there's, you know, there's a lot more work that I have yet to do with these pieces of equipment, EMF, and eventually do some more work with Steve when we get a chance to actually meet up together and do work and actually learn a lot more about the stuff that's going on. I mean, Steve um, is certainly in the UK, and I'm sure it's best to the rest of the world, one of the leading experts for um, infrasound. And that, again, is something that you've got to have time and patience for to actually sit down, learn and understand its causes and effects on people with regards to paranormal phenomena. And this isn't just like um, your handheld piece of equipment. I mean, you can measure this possible infras uh, infrasound in the environment via some handheld um, piece of equipment that aren't specifically designed for infrasound. But generally, it does require having a laptop and speakers and loads of other pieces of equipment that you've got to cart around to various locations. And I remember Steve saying before that he needed, um, I think, two or three cars, and he managed to make the equipment smaller and smaller and get it down to just one car or maybe one and an extra one just to carry a couple of extra bags. So th there's a lot to go into. And so you've got to seriously consider as an investigator, do we need to use this equipment? Because the basic stuff that you need to use, and as Steve said, we're still using it, is pens and pencils and a watch and a torch maybe. And that is really the best ghost hunting equipment that you can carry, actually documenting stuff certain times that things happen during the day and night. What did people see? If you've all got a pen and pad, you can all write down your independent eyewitness statement so you can compare it afterwards rather than immediately seeing something and turning to people and saying, oh, did you see that? So then you might confuse all your memory of the event by if someone saw someone with a hat and someone else didn't, they might take it on into their memory that the person was perhaps wearing a hat, this apparition that you saw when originally you didn't see it wearing a hat at all. You know, it's best to just look at the basic human factor of things before you start delving into the equipment that is, you know, really technical and still we don't have a full understanding of its implications on paranormal phenomena. So um, uh, to some extent, right, I, I don't think that maybe this equipment's being fully misused, but, that, you know, it just depends who you run into. I'm delighted to hear that you actually run into someone that had got quite a, a deep knowledge on it. I mean, had he been using it quite often in his own investigations? Is he part of No, he actually is not a ghost hunter. He's just, uh, that's what he does in real life. Oh, right. So he's, right. He's, been, he's, he's had some experiences that he can't explain, and he's interested in the ghost 
paranormal feel. That's why he went to the dinner for the first time. That was his first real paranormal event. And I'm going to have him on my show so that I can talk to him a little bit more about it. Because, I mean, everything, well, not everything, but a lot, there are a lot of sources of EMF, including yeah. ourselves. Yeah, definitely. We actually have a question from the TojiNet chat room, and it says, everybody uses a, the ghost box. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And that's from Lizzie in the TojiNet chat room. Yeah. Um, well, over here, I've only used it a few times, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to get comfortable and sit in the skeptical seat and say that um, with my experience of working on people that have with people that have claimed to have had phone calls from the dead, I've had to look at other forms of supposed electronic communication with the dead, be it um, EVP, which is electronic voice phenomenon, or the, the ghost box that has come out, the Frank's mm -hmm. box and so on. When I've looked at the ghost box, I've had to just be extremely skeptical of the, the whole concept of it being a broken radio. It's constantly scanning the stations. So you're getting bits of the songs, bit of the presenter saying something. Uh, or possibly something that's muffled in the static between stations that people might take on board as being this live EVP. And it's down to interpretation because if you put a load of people around the ghost box and, again, let's go back to the whole pen and pad thing and got everyone to just write down what they think they heard at what particular time if you set some sort of stopwatch off, they might all come out with different things. Now, when I've actually seen them interact and kind of have a bit of fun with it, and when I've certainly had a bit of fun with it with some people before, you all start to say, oh, I heard a woman's voice say uh, Mary or something like that. And then you start to kind of ask questions and pick more out. And if someone picks something out that no one else quite heard, they will start to take it on as though it was actually said and then subsequently ask a further question. So for me, and much like some of the table tipping stuff, I think there's a huge psychological element going on board. Um, it, it's completely different to just having a, a blank tape dictaphone or a digital mp3 player dictaphone where you just leave it down in an empty room and leave it to record it's right. not necessarily interfering with radio stations uh, but with the ghost box that's a huge element that you've got to take into consideration and it's not easy at all to rule out how can you separate the paranormal voices in the ghost box from the radio and for me i don't personally think you can i'm probably wrong there might be some people that say that you certainly can but I don't think you can. And if you're having people involved, you know, psychology is just taking over too much. And I think we should just leave it as a pseudo paranormal effect. It gives. No, a good I, I think I think that we should. I don't think we should go that far. I think we should continue using it, but to study it more. For instance, if 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 a ghost box session is done properly, it's it's recorded. So when someone asks a question, you can hear what the answer is when you're on playback. Uh, you, there's no guessing. I mean, yes, there is. I mean, there's, it, there's a lot of, I believe, audio matrixing in, in the ghost box in that you're hearing sounds and you're hearing the sounds you want to hear. Mm. Well, we had some good ones once when we were just um, using digital MP3 players and we placed them in various parts of the location. And then we had um, three teams of people and we were all on um, walkie talkies radios and we all had a script of the exact same questions to ask. And they were all numbered one, two, three, four, five. 
and each group would take it in turns to ask the question and then they go on the radio to the next group okay it's your turn to do question one and then they would say question one or uh, and leave a space and then radio the next group and we'd all go around in a circle until throughout the location until all the questions were completed and then we check the dictaphones afterwards with the dictaphones being nowhere near the groups um so any kind of sound or coughing or anything like that that could have been made unconsciously um with the dictaphones being present you know we don't have to take that into account the dictaphones weren't anywhere near the groups what we can do is compare the times which we say questions um to the times on the dictaphone as to whether there is some sort of reply to one of the questions asked throughout the location with that we haven't got into uh, we haven't got to take into account the um radio transmissions that are on the ghost box but i do agree with you i suppose that there is some way of testing the ghost box of trying to rule out um, to an extent the coincidence of something being said on the radio or something very specific in response to your question i don't know what do you think I, I think that you know. I agree. I, I think there's a lot of audio matrixing when, when you do the ghost box. I really do. People hear what they want to hear, or, or what their mind wants to hear. So the recording uh, session is is a great way of uh, you know you know verifying what's really said and so forth. Um, you know, because you can analyze it pretty much as you do an EVP. You can slow it yeah. down or whatever to clear up the background noise. So you, whatever the word is, you're you're getting the exact word. Um, I love, I absolutely love the idea uh, that you just spoke about. I think that's a great idea. In fact, I'm going to probably use that in my paranormal study group uh, this month. Uh, we do a paranormal study study group once a month, and. Uh, uh, we explore different things that set the circles of wisdom in Andover, and I, and I think that's one of the the things we're going to try. We do we do everything in it from uh, you know tabletop and nut time to uh, um, what's that word? Not telekinesis, the other word. And, uh, will you read objects? Uh, uh, making objects move? No, no, not telekinesis. Uh, reading objects. Oh, cla uh, well, clairvoyance to read an object. Yeah, but there's a, 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 a name for oh, that. Oh, psychometry. 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 Uh, yeah, psychometry. That one. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, kind of, it's a cool thing. <laughs> Sorry, yes, psychometry. Absolutely right. So how, how do they come off, then, the experiments that you do with psychometry? I mean, have some people got some really good stuff? Do you bring in antiques, or are they just general household objects? It's really kind of cool. I mean, uh, for instance, we we did a dining with the dead uh, one month, and I had uh, a couple of witches from Salem that did the presentation, and one of them lost their ring there. So I, we, the restaurant found the ring and gave it to me. So I contacted them and said, I found your ring. I'm going to send it to you. Can I use it? for?" So we used it in the class. And uh, then he came on versus Skypes and... What people wrote, this was a month later, uh, we compared it to the person and answered whatever questions. And, and it was uh, it was fairly interesting. It You know, we had some really, really good results. Oh, brilliant. I, I remember um, uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Kieran is very friendly with him, uh, Dr. Matthew Smith, who's also another parapsychologist who was on Most Haunted for a while. He was um, trying to do the million-dollar challenge for James Randi. Oh, and yes. uh, he, he was trying to um, develop psychic abilities as well. And we went along to Tutbury Castle where um, Steve Parsons and Kieran were doing a, a, a ghost hunter sort of training day. 
and Matt was um, doing readings for the public and also some tarot card readings and psychometry as well, taking some of their personal items of jewellery and putting them in sealed on, on envelopes. I, I'd take them, put them in the sealed envelope, envelope and then put them on his table so he didn't know who they were from or what the object was. But they were numbered and I had the names of everyone so we could get them back afterwards. And um, I, I think he did quite well with someone, but... Um, uh, we kind of had the opposite. You said someone lost a ring. What happened with us was someone had left their engagement ring in the envelope and then just left Tutbury Castle afterwards and totally forgot that they'd given us their diamond ring. So we had to get it back afterwards. But Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. How would you forget that? She, it, it was to the point that she'd been wearing it for so long that it left a really deep white mark on her finger and, and she really struggled to get it off. So the fact that she forgot it, we felt so terrible. But um, I think he actually did a reading for her on the ring, wrote it all down and then put it in the post or recorded. So it definitely got to her. So she'd also got a ring and a reading through the post. <laughs> but um, oh, no, I think, it, I think it went quite well from what I remember. That's the only actual example I've seen at a public event where people have gone along to actually do a bit of psychometry and the public getting involved in all anonym, uh, anonymously donating an item that's personal to them. So um, right. that was pretty good. It's 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 interesting. Uh, I've used photographs before too. Uh, you know, photographs are from uh, particular people, yeah. and people have done readings readings from photographs, which are kind of cool. You know, if you ever can uh, or even want to get involved in uh, an experiment uh, in, for the paranormal study group, I, I would. You know, I would love that if you, you know, we could get you in through Skypes and if you have an experiment that you would like to try, uh, we have a group that's willing to, to do it. Oh, please do. I mean, a, a classic one that we could do is um, uh, the old Xenocon test from um, the days of Joseph Banks Ryan when they set up the parapsychology lab at Duke University. And um, it's all classic to the original Ghostbusters film with the circle, the wavy lines, the star... Right. Uh, square and cross, and um, you, you can do those in different ways. You could uh, do a test precognitively and see if people can guess the next card that's going to come out of the pack. Um, telepathically, can you read the experimenter's mind when they're looking at the card? Or just see if you can guess which card clairvoyantly is in the pack that you're putting down. If you shuffle the cards and put them all in separate brown envelopes, what's in each pack as it comes out? So there are many different tests that you can do, and um, as some parapsychologists have said, certainly Dean Radin, who is very famous over in the USA, he has wrote that, you know, if psychic abilities do exist, they're not limited to time and space, or even weight for that matter. I mean, when you look at psychokinesis and poltergeist activity, it doesn't seem to have a weight factor in mind. Any sizable object can move. And telepathy or psychic abilities or anything like that can work over any number of distance. I mean, there could be people that have got relatives on the other side of the world and maybe if one of them's dying, the other person sees an apparition of them. So that's traveled all the way across the world. So it's not limited. So doing a psychic test from the UK to the USA in one of your classes, it sounds perfect if we set something up like that. Mm, okay, again, I'll going back to uh, what we agree with Brian Shepard as well, if we do some sort of psychic artwork test as well with your study groups as well. Well, yeah, that would be kind of cool. I really, uh, you know, that's the whole thing why I started this this uh, paranormal study group is to explore different things in the paranormal and not to judge them, 
but to explore them. You know, let the people make up their own minds. And we're not telling you know it's right or wrong. This is what it is, and this is how you did, and how does it compare? For instance, I came up with a, a little. You know, everybody does dowsing now. That's like a huge thing over here. Every ghost group. Well, not every. The, a lot of the ghost groups do does uh, pendulum dowsing. So what I did devised, of course, was a very simple test and. Basically, was to hone your ability. Uh, you took. Uh, we have to take a break right now. I'll be done. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Tojinet, Ghost Channel, Pararex, and way beyond. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with you. Welcome to Tojinet Radio with a cutting edge. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests who step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com or call 978-740-9783. Happy Halloween! <laughs> And I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except- so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with the rock parapsychologist himself, Mr. Cal Cooper. How about that title? Uh, yeah, I love that title still. I had, again, as always, when the break comes on, I have to do a little dance around um, 
the computer every time that Adam's Family theme comes on. It's fantastic. I actually saw that, uh, the remake of that movie, uh, yeah, a couple nights ago, but before I lost my power. Uh, <laughs> silly, silly, but good. Actually, Ghostbusters, a lot of people don't like it, but I, I enjoy Ghostbusters as well. As well as Van Helsink, of course. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. I think I've seen at least two or three Van Helsing films. I'm a big fan of the Underworld films with the vampires and the werewolves. That um, They're doing a fourth one that's coming out soon, which I'm really looking forward to. You know, I've never seen them. My son is a big fan of them as well, but uh, I have never seen them. Uh, Ron, you, you have so got to watch them. Bill Nye playing a, a lead vampire in these big vampire societies. It's fantastic. They're really, really good. Well acting. Yeah, good, good graphics, and it's just a good kind of history and script that they set up between how there's this um, kind of dispute between the vampires, which are known as lichens, and right. the uh, uh, just throughout the year. I won't give it away. Just watch them. Anyone that hasn't seen Underworld, they are films to watch, especially for Halloween. If anyone watched them last night on Halloween, good on you because they're very good. So I also speaking about TV is is I also heard that. Uh, most hot that might be making a comeback there in the UK. Uh, what was that? Was that on um, American TV saying that was going to happen? No, no, I actually saw that on Karen's uh, uh, website. All right. Um, I've heard the odd one or two thing here and there and that um, maybe the format might be slightly different, but beyond that, I'm not really clued up on what's going on or what's going to happen. To be honest, over here, um, I don't watch a lot of telly. I'm more of a film person. If, if ever I want to kind of chill out and watch something, I'll watch films. But when I have scanned through the stations, there doesn't seem to be that much of paranormal TV on anymore. Um, it, it just seems to be replays of all the old stuff. Nothing new seems to be coming up. And let's face it, there are a lot of reality paranormal shows out there, and they, they all seem to kind of died of death at the moment. So if something new's coming up or something old with a twist... Um, I think it might kind of put a surge back into the whole para paranormal community here and everywhere else. So and we uh, have tons of shows, you know, and we've always had tons of shows ever since Most Haunted came out. Uh, you know, Ghost Hunters came out after that, but there were a slew of them after that. Jane Doherty, uh, who we, we talked to uh, last week, I believe, right? Um, she had a show called Dead Tenants. Uh, Chris Fleming and uh, that uh, the, the Gail Porter from the UK uh, had a show right. called uh, Dead Famous. Uh, and then yeah, I remember we, that. Yeah, and the the hot ones right now, of course, is uh, Ghost Adventurers. Uh, John Zappas just got a show about haunted objects. Uh, you know, there are some. There was Extreme Paranormal, Paranormal State, blah blah blah. You know, there's, there's a lot of them in the U.S. and, and most of them, are, you know, whatever. <laughs> just just after Most Haunted came about and Derek Akora was leaving the show, I remember we we have a show over here that's been going for years, which is just a general Saturday night TV show that everyone likes to watch called the Antiques Road Show. Um, right. which is basically all over the country just having a sort of a TV antiques fair and people take along their antiques and have an expert sit down and talk to the audience about it and how much it's worth, how old it is and what its history is. And it could be anything from paintings to obscure objects that no one kind of knows about or understands. And Derek kind of took this on as a show himself called the Antiques Ghost Show, I think it was. And people oh, wow. would take along. 
family heirlooms and that was a psychometry reading but in front of a panel of antique experts and also the person who owned the item and Derek would go on put his hands on the objects and he would um, kind of get in touch with the relatives that owned it and I think one of the most fascinating ones uh, was uh, it was a model ship that had been in a glass case for years and this woman's grandfather had made this ship himself and put it in there and inside the wooden frame at the bottom, which you can't actually get into unless you actually take one of the panels off with, um, I think you had to unscrew it or something, um, there were um, inscribings on the inside and also some sort of letter um, from her granddad. Now, he'd actually been at the Battle of Rourke's Drift, so Zulu, and um, Derek didn't know anything about this, or at least, who knows, he might have done, but who knows. Um, he uh, came up, touched the glass case, looked at it a bit, and then he started imitating this sort of marching of Zulu warriors and talking about Rourke's Drift and some other things about a granddad. So he was picking up on the person related to the object more so than the object's history. And it, it was just fascinating to watch if indeed these abilities are genuine, even if they weren't. It, it made a good show. But I exactly. Like that. I haven't seen anything like that one since. And... I don't know if that actually did more than one series, but it was certainly kind of entertaining. It, it was original, and that's what we're not getting at the moment. There isn't anything original coming out of the paranormal TV world, I don't think. It's all your ghost hunts, your night vision cameras, and yep. at the end of the night they might go to the owners and say, yeah, we definitely found a, a bump or bang or two, we think your place is haunted. And you never see a ghost at the end of the day, and you don't catch any good poltergeist activity. So we need something new, Ron. I think you should come up with something and let me know. There you go. I, I, you know, I actually have to give uh, Derek credit. Uh, when I saw him on Most Haunted, today, I enjoyed it. It was the first time I, I was introduced to uh, spirit guides. Uh, you know, he had Sam. But uh, oh. that's when I first started to understand about that, uh, how that worked. But, you know, he, 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 you have to give him credit. He was certainly entertaining. And, and then he did the show in Egypt uh, as well, which okay. was very good. Paranormal Egypt as well. Yeah, he did that. And then... Uh, I remember that got produced out on a DVD, and he also did um, Derek Okora's Ghost Towns. Yep, Ghost um, Towns, right. One, yeah, one of my ex-supervisors was on that as one of the parapsychologists and advisors. Um, when they One of the first towns they did was Northampton, so uh, where I'm based at university, the University of Northampton, they went round there, so they got Dr. Simon Sherwood to actually act as the advisor on that as well. And I think that took off quite well as... Uh, as well, because no one had done that before. It was literally driving around, uh, driving around the streets with Derek in the back of a taxi. And whenever yep. he just felt the psychic urge to go in somewhere, he'd get out of the taxi and knock on random people's doors and go in and give them a reading or tell them something about the house, if indeed they did answer the door and let him in. It was just something you weren't going to expect. So, again, it, it was quite unique. And hat off to him, and all credit to you, as you say, he was very entertaining with these things whether it was genuine or not it was interesting to see him get into these possessions exactly. and do the readings a very entertaining guy that that show made it to the u.s along with the uh, haunted egypt haunted egypt or whatever uh the, the, it was called uh made it both of those made it i think to the travel channel over here for a while so the, the, I, I did watch them um but you know i do have to say i the original Most Haunted, I really enjoyed because it, it had a lot of uh, factors to it. it. They they were, you know, it was interesting in the history, you know, uh, uh, 
Richard Felix added that little bit in, on the original one. And, and then you had uh, Derek, of course, with this psychic stuff and Karen. Uh, so it was good. It was a nice blend. And they had the little the schematics, and they showed where they w- were going. And, and, of course, you had the vet screaming, and that was always good, too. So it, it was, uh, you know, it was interesting. Uh, Paul from, uh, I guess he's from the U.K., he said, uh TV living very poor for Halloween. No follow up to Most Haunted, or there was uh, last par- uh, their last paranormal attempt. So I guess he was kind of saying that uh, living TV is—is is that what you call it over there? Yeah, that—that that was where um, Most Haunted was based. Is the first time they came out. We've still got it now, Living TV. And I remember last year they did a, a show uh, as a one-off three-episode thing that I was asked to be on, which was. Um, Paranormal Investigation Live. And the concept of that was slightly unique, but it was still your usual concept of ghost hunters in a haunted location. What do they make of it? What are their conclusions? There was no medium involved, but the whole concept was that there was a group that uses spiritualistic techniques. So maybe some of the investigators claimed to have psychic abilities or they used table tipping techniques dowsing rods, pendulums, while the other team were using EMF meters, um, trying to test things with EVP, uh, digital thermometers, and so on and so forth. So that they would actually, throughout the night, give a comparison of what each team was up to and then send them to a different part of the um, castle for a different task. And, um, yeah, that that was kind of their follow-up. So I have no idea what they actually did this Halloween. As I say, I was out doing the trick-or-treating, so I wish it had actually had a bit of a scan to see what they were trying to put out on TV for Halloween with regards to ghost hunting, but we had nothing. Do you know if you had anything over in the U.S.? Yeah, we have the usual stuff. Uh, You know what, I can't, because I haven't had power, so I really couldn't see what was on, so I, uh, the ghost hunters usually do... you must have looked at the TV guide, right? (laughs) We don't don't have TV guides. Uh, TV guides on our TV. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, it's all electronic now. Uh, TV Guide, the actual physical magazine, is taking a beating because of that. Uh, It's all digital now, so you have your guide right on your TV, and yeah, you don't you don't need paper. I'm I'm an old fuddy daddy when it comes to like that. I still get the sometimes I will get the newspaper and scan through and go and look at what's coming up on the TV. And my my grandma used to do it as well. I think I've got it from her. Every time she'd just put the paper next to her and she'd be watching the TV and she could just go on the guide and look at what was there, but she'd just sling me the newspaper and say, see what's on. So I don't have to... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but no, Actually, oh well. My, my, my wife used to subscribe to a TV guide, but we haven't done it for years. And uh, so anyways, we do a lot of channel surfing here. That's, that's kind of our thing anyways. But I think we do need a, uh, I mean, a different paranormal show rather than just a bunch of people running around in the dark with night vision cameras. I need, I think we need something that's more interesting, something that has a little bit more meat to it. Um, you know, uh, they, we have, oh, we have another show called Paranormal Challenge, where this is run by Zach Bagan from uh, Ghost Adventures, and basically he takes two teams of regular investigators, and they bring them into a haunted location, and then uh, they send them out, and then at at the end, the, the evidence gets reviewed by a panel, include I think it's Darkness Dave was on it, and uh, I know Jeff Belanger was on it one time, and uh, um, 
the daughter of uh, what's her name? What's his name that just passed? Uh, God, I can't think of his name. Oh, he's a great uh, para, uh, paranormal investigator for a hundred years. But anyways, uh, yeah. So and then they invest and they declare which one is the best. So, so I don't know about that. That's kind of like a game show, if you ask me. You know, the shows that still interest me are the original ones that I kind of grew up with. And this is more looking at the History Channel and the Discovery Channel. And they weren't reality TV, you know, running about, getting scared or anything. It was it was delving into the history of everything. And I've forgotten what the show was called, but it was always on Discovery. And one of my tutors at university lent me the box at once. And it was all about ghosts of the U.K., and one of the main advisors that was on it, um, offering kind of the, the professional scientist view, was a guy called Professor Archie Roy. Now, over here in the UK, he's a well-known member of the Society for Psychical Research, and he's also the founder of the Scottish Society for Psychical Research, because uh, he's um, ex-professor emerit of, the, emeritus of uh, the University of Glasgow in astronomy, but also um, a big knowledgeable figure in um, psychical research. And he was always on, and it'd be all sorts, just um, going to the Tower of London, uh, various unknown parts of the UK where they just interview people that have had haunting experiences. And one of the ones I remember the most was um, an old workshop that specifically dealt with fixing broken lawnmowers. And they had uh, the ghost of a little boy that haunted the workshop that produced a lot of poltergeist activity. And every time something would go missing, say a guy had just stripped a lawnmower down and he was just using it, spanner to take it to bits he turned around and put the spanner on the workbench and he turned back and the spanner was gone and he'd look back into the workshop and say the boy's name i've forgotten what it was but he'd just say oh come on stop playing about give me the spanner back and all of a sudden he'd hear the spanner drop on one of the uh, lawnmowers or something metal and you'd hear it all clang and he'd go to another part of the workshop and lo and behold the spanner's fallen down and this poltergeist activity used to produce coins dropping as well throughout the workshop and other things. It used to be things going missing. If they asked for it back, it would immediately come back and coincide straight away with them asking for it to come back. You know, you never saw this happen. You never saw an investigation. But it was the fact that they were sat in the very place that it happened telling you of their experiences. And I think that's great. You know, all, all your scientific equipment aside, all the EMF meters and everything, you've got this experience-centered approach, just listening to people and what they have to say about their experiences, being in the place where it happened, taking you back to it, and then getting the professional's opinion on, you know, it, does this coincide with other paranormal experiences? What's the history of this? How did that kid die? Where's this kid from that they think's a ghost? They were great shows, and I think they're still great now. I can... If I flick over to the Discovery Channel or something like that and I see them, I'll sit and watch them for hours if they're on. And I think they do a new one now, which is something like celebrity ghost experiences, where various celebrities just sit and talk about a paranormal experience they had. Right, we, know, have that on the, we have that on the Bile Channel. It's called uh, Celebrity Ghost Stories, and then we have My Ghost Stories, which is just yeah. uh, normal people. I, I, came, I came across those probably a few months ago, and when I saw those, I was gripped. I really do prefer those to the uh, whole investigation um, shows. I don't know about you. I mean, do you prefer the kind of looking at them going about investigating it, or do you prefer just hearing all the people's experiences combined? Believe it or not, I actually had my own TV show about 10 years ago, or more than that now, about 12 years ago. And, and my end was kind of a, a, the combination of the two. Uh, we did the interviews, we did the history, and we did bounce around in the dock a little bit, you know, not the whole show. 
and uh, then we showed whatever we had and kind of talked and see if there was a correlation between the two. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a, a while ago, but uh, it was kind of like that. And, and the other thing I, I enjoy too, and it, it, the only problem about um, my ghost stories, a lot of times they just sit them in a chair and and they talk and talk and talk, which is good. I, I like the recreations. I think that adds a little bit to it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know it's a recreation, but it's still kind of cool. It just adds a little bit more flavor to the uh, the story. Yeah. I remember watching those a few times, and, you know, whether I watch them with the lights on or light off, but if they're telling you the story, somehow the re- reenactment sends a bit of a chill through you because they dramatize it a bit more. You actually probably see a half apparition reaching out and stroking the back of their neck and that's what sends a little bit of a chill through you when you know the actual event might have been something slightly different but it's giving the viewers the idea of what possibly happened and i think it's brilliant like we used to have a show called 999 which went through all the emergency service accidents that were you know became quite famous and so the people that had had an accident went on tv and talked about the event and they did massive reenactments for the show and some of them would really creep you out because they'd be horrible injuries sometimes uh, and oh, always wow. like uh, you know the sport of uh, potholing where you go down you go under secret caverns under the ground and you have to dip your head under water and get up into the next cave we right. certainly do that a lot here in the UK and one of the 999s was someone coming up in the wrong cave on their own and they got lost from the tour group you know some hundred meters or so under the ground and it was, you know, that putting someone in the place of the actual original events or giving them a recreation, it, it puts that little bit of a scare into you of what if. And again, with these ghost stories, I, I think when you're watching them, it kind of puts this idea into your head that that might happen to you now while you're watching this TV show. And they're great doing it that way. When you're watching a live in, or live investigation or pre-recorded investigation, you, you don't probably feel that much scared really because it it's not an ordinary house they're probably a manor or a castle or an old theater and they're going through to see if that's haunted and you probably know the place quite well it's not an ordinary everyday person's house so that's what kind of adds a bit of a scare factor to it yeah the the other show we have is is a haunting i don't know if it's on but it used to be and and that was a good one what they do is they took a a person's story and uh usually it was one that was uh you know made the demonic or real negative energy it was definitely you know a family was terrorized that was the gist of it but uh they would do that they would recreate the story as the people would tell them and then they would pop the people in and and actually you know they'd be talking about their their pieces as they go along but they had actors actors do the the parts of them uh i mean that was that was interesting we have another one that has nothing to do with the paranormal it's the real stories of the er and basically they're they're true stories but uh they're told in that same manner they're they're reproduced you know really strange uh instances from the er and then they have the actual doctors there that that talk about it so yeah i think uh you know maybe we we need a little bit of a combination of the two uh i don't know Mm. So if Most Haunted is coming back, what do you hope would actually be slightly different or changed about it? Because I certainly don't know what's going to happen with it or what's going to change. But if you could change anything, what would you hope would be different? Ah, interesting story. I I certainly wouldn't want to lose the flavor of it. Uh, I'd still want that that key history history element. Uh, Why not add some recreations to it? Ah. Why not... 
Yeah, go go on, go on. Yeah, why why not add that to it? Just add, you know, add the little recreations to it to the story. Interview, get some interviews in there from the people there. Yeah, you can do and use some some of the people that actually live there. Maybe they, they are trigger devices for the, for the ghosts. Maybe that will help. That becomes a main theme. Um, that certainly make it different. I remember for a lot of them, they kind of they do a miniature reenactment, ever so small at the start, where they talk to some of the members of staff and so on. And there was probably the odd episode here and there, I think, where they took some of the residents along on investigations. One that you've, you've just kind of reminded me of um, is just something you said, and then it popped a memory back into my head, was one of the early ones, because you were saying you enjoyed the, the early stuff. I remember them um, going to London Underground, and I've read up a lot on um, research on the apparitions and ghosts of London Underground. I remember when they went there, they all dressed up in World War Two themed clothing um, to see if that would promote activity. I was just wondering, have you have you ever done that on investigations? Because you said that you've had some reenactors um, go along to some of these classes that you do. Have they ever dressed up in periodical clothing, everyone that's actually on the investigation to see if it promotes activity? Uh, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that because when Richard uh, came over here and we went to Gettysburg, uh, our good friend Mark Nesbitt, he uh, he's uh, he's missed the Gettysburg. He's written about thirteen books on Gettysburg, runs the Gettysburg Ghost Tours and everything. He actually scored us some uh, some uniforms, and Richard and I dressed up as uh, Union and Confederate soldiers, and uh, we went on the battlefield, and uh, we we. No, that was a good one. We went into the woods together, just the two of us by ourselves, dressed up. Yeah. And, and you know. And was this daytime or at nighttime? No, it was nighttime. It was pitch black. Pitch black. Wow. It was there was just us. That was it. How did you feel then? Did did anything happen or did you just feel a bit creeped out being in the uniform and being in in, in this the area that you were? What happened? Uh, that that was probably the, the to me, it was probably the funniest incident I ever had uh, ghost <laughs> investigating. Um, Richard uh, went into the woods. He, we went to the battlefield. Uh, it was a uh, little round top. And this was pitch black. It was just the two of us. So he sat down. He had a camera with him. Um, uh, and he, he said, uh, oh, men of the, uh, the 59th, if you're here, can you give me a sign? Of course, and I, I was about uh, 50 paces back. You know, I could just barely see the light from the camera, and but I was recording on my little recorder and, and kind of observing. And uh, he got touched by something or hit by something, and, and he jumped, jumped a mile. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so he, you know, he gained his composure, and uh, he says, "Well, you know, I, I, I got touched in the leg here." And he says, "It, it might be raindrops from the tree. It might be uh, uh, an insect. Uh, you know, somebody maybe even threw something at me." He says, "So, I, I really need to know that it really is you, the the, the men from the Maine or whatever the the uh, the." Uh, regiment it was and so a little bit of time came by in the dock very quiet all we heard was the the bugs you know chiquillas or whatever they're called uh chirping and uh then all of a sudden bam he screams again uh so he, it was funny i had a hard time just laughing but uh so he settled down again because he is honestly afraid of ghosts and uh 
so anyway, he said, okay, you know, and I'm, I'm listening to this, and he's talking to the camera, and he says, well, okay, uh, you know, you touched me again. You touched me the same spot. He says, uh, you know, that's odd. He says, I could see, oh, wow, almost out of time. But anyways, I, I could see uh, the, uh, you know, maybe an insect touched me, but not in the same spot, and, you know, and somebody throwing something, how could it be that, that same way? And, and uh, you know, and I'm looking to see if there's anything, but there's nothing there. So he says, you know, but I, I really, really got to be sure. So he sat, and, we, and he says, can you do that to it one more time, please? Uh, so a little time went by, really quiet, and then all of a sudden he gets up, screams, okay, starts running, trips over a rock, falls down, slashes his leg open. Okay, he's bleeding like a stuck pig. So I, I, I finally had to go up to him, took a, a, a handkerchief that I had, tied up the wound, and uh, he was he was scared shitless. But did, did he mention this on the show before? I, I didn't know it was as extreme as him going over to the U.S. dressing up in military uniform and cutting his leg open. You never heard that story? Oh, this is one of my no, favorite stories. No, I've never stories. heard this story before. <laughs> oh, my God. We, we ought to see it when we reenact it. I mean, I, I'm doing it on the radio, so I can't really reenact it. But the, when I do the reenactment, it's just, uh, you, you'll just laugh here. But anyways, believe it or not, we ran out of time. Oh, it's been good, though. Anyways, Cal, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It was uh, interesting talking, as usual. Uh, I will meet you one of these days. No, oh, you will do, absolutely. No, it was, it was great talking to you as well, Ron. Thank you for coming on as well. Yeah. You've and, got no choice. <laughs> and uh, the, the only thing I do have to mention is, uh, are you still planning on going out to California? Yes, of course I am. I am. I've um, I've still got to sort out my plane tickets, but I'm all, I'm all booked and due to go to California at the end of January to talk about phone calls from the dead. And, you know, I wish I was doing more ghost hunts at the moment, but I'm taking time off to write this book and it's taking ages because I've got so much to sort through and hopefully it'll pay off the end. But, yeah, still going to California at the end of January. I'll be there for a week or so going about. I mean, if you can come over, that'd be great. But I'll be there. And then we'll be doing stuff. We'll be doing stuff next year anyway, Ron. All right, so whatever, it's time to wrap it up, and Cal, thank you once again, and uh, we're going to say good night and happy All Saints Day to everyone, and good night and God bless. Ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us 